Good morning once again and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm a senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us on this holiday weekend. If you're a guest, we are especially grateful that you would make time to be with us. If you're not a guest, we're, we're glad you're here too. We just tend to thank our guests a little bit more, but we are so glad that you've um, made being with us this morning at Malvern Hill a priority. If you're a guest or if, if you're like a first-time guest or a long-time guest, and you've never filled out one of those connection cards for us. I know Adam mentioned it. Um, let me just remind you, please do that for us. I promise I'm not going to come knock on your door today or tomorrow or at any point this week. Okay? But here's, here's what happens is that sometimes you visit and you visit again and you visit again and your kids get involved and you get involved. And when we don't have your email address... There are announcements that you need to be aware of, and we can't get that information to you because you didn't get us your email address. So, again, we're, we're not going to like bombard you with all sorts of things. We just, if we have to cancel something, which unfortunately happens, you know, more likely, more, more times than we would like right now, um, we need to be able to let you know. We don't want you to drive, you know, from Elgin or from, you know, across town or wherever you live and get here, and there'll be no one here. So, uh, just do that for us so that we can try and communicate with you. I'd really appreciate it. Like Adam said, you can either tear that off or you can do it online. If you're watching at home, you can watch at home and you can still fill it out online and we'll have that information. And it just really helps us to communicate with you so that um, as much as anything, you're always prepared for what's happening here. The other thing, uh, and by the way, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37 so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And as you're turning, let me just share one more piece of information with you. We have equipping studies that will start next Sunday night. Now, it was brought to my attention that some of you might not have any idea what equipping studies are because COVID has messed up so many things. A lot of you are brand new. So equipping studies are short-term, small group Bible studies that we do here at Malvern Hill. They take place on Sunday nights, and we do them two or three times per year, kind of depending on the way the calendar falls out. Uh, they're, they're focused on particular things. For instance, I'm doing one uh, beginning next Sunday night on the Lord's Prayer. Um, there are several others that are being done. There's a youth study that's being done. There's children's choir that will take place on Sunday nights as well. So um, if you have interest in being a part of equipping studies, uh, we'd appreciate if you'd sign up. Now, if you don't sign up and you just show up next Sunday night, that's fine. we got room for you, but it does help us to do things like... One of the things we try to do is create social distancing space. You can look around. It's a little bit easier today because of a holiday weekend, except for over here. Y'all are really packed in. Uh, it's difficult for us to do that, but what we try to do is put you guys in rooms that, are, that, that fit the, the, the group size. So if you do register, it just helps us out a little bit. You can find out information about our equipping studies on our website. If you are more of a pen and paper kind of person, you can walk out this door and into a little back uh, hallway back here, and there are actually uh, physical sign-up sheets that you can could use to sign up if you wanted to do that. But I would just encourage you, there are great ways to grow in godliness and grow in understanding of God's Word. Our equipping studies also become a really great way for you to get to know somebody maybe outside of your own life group because they're, they're short. You don't commit forever. Uh, you show up on Sunday nights. We spend about an hour together and, um, uh, and you get to know folks and you get to learn at the same time. Okay? Having said all of that, we are in Ezekiel chapter 37. We'll take a deep breath. Okay, we're ready. Stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to read verses 1 all the way through the first part of verse 12. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. 
It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, And behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that the fresh wind of God's Holy Spirit would fill this place. That, Father, you would open graves and bring out dry bones and give them life. That, Father, as we walk in, limp in, perhaps even today, crawl in, maybe without hope that today we would be reminded that you are the God of graves. Only because, Lord God, you open them up and make the dead live. Give us hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, if you're a guest with us this morning, you may not know, but we've been working our way through the Bible since January. We started in Genesis, and we're slowly working our way toward a conclusion in Revelation. We've made it to Ezekiel. We were in Ezekiel 1 last week. Today, we're in Ezekiel 37. I really had intended to preach to you guys something else today, but I I really just couldn't bring myself to do anything other than Ezekiel 37. It just would seem a shame to be preaching just a few uh, sermons from the book of Ezekiel and not preach on the valley of dry bones. This morning, I ask you this question. When you find yourself in the valley, what should you do? When you find yourself in the valley, what should you do? Now, when I talk about the valley, surely you understand what I mean. I mean the opposite of the mountaintop. When you find yourself brought low, when you find yourself overwhelmed, when you find yourself scared or depressed, what should you do? When it seems like the walls are closing in, what should you do? This morning, Ezekiel found himself in that place. He found himself in that place where everything around him was death and destruction. And in that place, God gave Ezekiel hope. And I believe today that God has a message of hope for us. What do you do when you find yourself there in that valley? The first thing this morning is you should trust God's leading trust God's leading Ezekiel was led to a valley of dry bones again as I mentioned this is a place of death and destruction 
Now, if you know anything about a bone, it lays out in the sun and it gets dry. It, it, it bleaches white. Now listen, I don't want there to be any question here. These were dead bones. Lest there be any question, what happened is God took Ezekiel and he said, let's, let's tour around them. And Ezekiel said, yep, they are really dead. Really dry and really dead. This was a dark, dry, dead place. But God brought Ezekiel to this place. That's important for us. Because when we find ourselves in the valley... We usually assume that God is not there with us. When we find ourselves in a hard place, we usually assume that something has gone wrong. And yet, in Ezekiel's situation, everything was going right according to God's plan. God had brought Ezekiel into this place. When you find yourself in the valley, I want to urge you this morning to trust God's leading. God has you there for a purpose. College football is back this weekend in full swing. Some of y'all have that glazed over look on your eyes that I only know from the fall of the year. It's because y'all stayed up too late last night. Ate too many nachos. Caught ya. We did a lot of college football watching this weekend at my house. But Thursday night, we watched and prayed with bated breath for Ohio State to take a whipping. Y'all all did the same thing. Don't lie. And if you didn't cheer against Ohio, you probably don't belong here. In the South, I mean, in the South. We welcome you here. We take all kinds, okay? But no, we, 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 we by we, I really just mean me, okay? I mean, we waited with bated breath, but Ohio State has a, a freshman quarterback. They're coming off of having just a stud of a quarterback, and they're trying to break in this red shirt freshman. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, he didn't look real good in the first half of the game. But they kept talking on, uh, the announcers kept saying, and this is, y'all wonder where I'm going with this, watch. The announcers kept saying, they're, they're, they're not going to take him out, right? Things don't look good, but the coaches said that they wanted to see how he would respond when he struggled. They wanted to see what would happen. You know, if they win the game, this actually is a good thing because this kid has to struggle for a minute. Folks, have you ever considered that God may bring you into the valley because you need to struggle? It's because in those places of adversity, God is shaping you. He's molding you. It is rare that God will teach us in our comfort, but in our discomfort, God will make us. Angela has a whole drawer full of dull kitchen knives, and I know what I've got to do. I've got to take all those knives out and I've got to sharpen them and I really need to do it soon. But you know what it takes to sharpen a knife? It's constantly shaving away the metal. You're, you're working against something coarse to sharpen it up. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If it takes the iron of a man to sharpen another, how much more when the Lord gets involved? Folks, if we are sort of sharpening stones for our people, God is that... Honing iron, right? God is that steel that brings the edge. God takes us into the valleys because it's in those valleys that we hear His whispers. It's in those valleys that we reach for His hand. It's in those valleys that He is shaping and molding us. It's the pressure of life that brings about the kernel that God wants to do something great with. 
What do you do when you find yourself in the valley? Don't lose hope. God knows where you are. But watch this. He's there with you. He is there with you. Trust him. Look at Ezekiel. God is right there with him. And God asked him, can these bones live? Don't you love Ezekiel's answer? Uh, well, uh, you know, God, I, you, you, you know, right? It's a safe answer, isn't it? High schoolers, you don't get away with this in your English class, by the way. You don't get away with this in math. You know, what, what's the answer? Well, you know, right? No, you need to know. But, it, but, but when we're talking to the Lord, there's a, there's a place of faith for all of us, of dependence upon Him. Ezekiel thinks he might know the answer, but he says, you know what? God, you know. Lord, you know. Folks, what do you do when you find yourself in the valley? Will you trust the Lord, trust His leading? Do you trust Him today? He knows what you don't no, will you cling to him? We had a family vacation this past summer. Now, my, especially my two young kids, but they love the ocean. My children love the ocean. Brooklyn is just like a mermaid, right? I mean, like she just rolls and like just lays there. She'll lay in the surf for hours on end if we'll let her. We have to pull her out and dry her off and put sunscreen all over again and put her back in. But I have a nephew that wants to like the ocean, but he's terrified of it, Okay. Now, he's little, he's, he's just three, but he's just terrified. And so he'll walk out with you. No, let me back up. He wants to go out into the ocean, but he clings on to you like a little panda bear. Or a koala bear, rather, not a panda, koala. You know, he just, but when you get him out there into the ocean, listen, you don't have to worry about losing him. The only thing you have to worry about is losing consciousness when he wraps his arms around your neck. He's holding on for dear life. He wants to be out there. Because the big kids are out there and he wants to experience it. But he's in the valley in that place. It's a scary place for him. And he wants somebody to hold on. Folks, it's tempting for whatever reason that when we get ourselves into the valley that we just want to rely on ourselves. We want to do our own thing. We want to push God away. Listen, trust God's leading. He will never take you anywhere that he will not bring you through. And if God takes you there, he's got you there for a reason. Don't miss the fact that God brought Ezekiel into this dead, dark, dank, dry place. He knows why you're in the valley. He knows what he can do in the valley. He knows, will you trust him? Will you trust him? When you find yourself in the valley, trust God's leading. The second thing this morning is that we need to speak when spoken to. Parents, just do me a favor. How many of you struggle with this in your house? Right? What Y'all are so, tell the truth, right? You, you're tired of hearing your kids because your kids just keep talking, don't they? And you're like, no, 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 I need you to hush. I didn't ask you anything. The only thing you're doing right now is digging the hole deeper. Please hush. When I speak to you, then I will ask you, I will tell you if I need words out of your mouth. How many of you have been there before? Yeah, some of y'all aren't honest in church, and y'all need to go home and repent. <laughs> We've all been there. Hey, and look, as somebody who has a lot of words that he, he needs to say, I've been on the other side of that where I just need to hush. I was in seminary, and uh, one of our professors, I've shared this with some of you before, one of our professors uh, was, was urging, he looked out at this group of, of soon-to-be pastors, and he said, men, 
I, 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 I need to encourage you. There's going to come a point in time in your ministry when you're going to have to confront problems. I, I, I know that because of the makeup of, of, of where most pastors are, you're loving, you're caring, you don't want to be offensive. He says so. But sometimes you've just got to speak even when it's hard. And he kept talking and talking. I finally raised my hand. I said, Dr. Lawless. He said, yes, sir. I said, listen, I hear what you're saying, but what advice do you have for me? Because I'd just as soon argue with that brick wall as here you continue to tell me to speak up. He said, Craig, sometimes you need to shut up. <sighs> I, I understand, right? As followers of Jesus, though, we need to speak when spoken to. When you're in the valley, you look around and you see all oh, its death, brokenness, hopelessness. It can be tempting for us just to start talking. For us just to start doing. For us just to, for our mouths just to start running. Our hands to get busy. Like good southerners, we just need to do something. How many of y'all are that way? When something happens around you, you just need to be there. Now the hard thing is to look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, why do I need to be doing something? See, the truth of the matter is, sometimes we need to be doing something because it makes us feel better. Not because we've actually stopped and asked the question as to whether or not we're a part of the solution. We've seen this happen in things like hurricane relief before. Where we've got to do something because everything has gone wrong. And so, you know, people collect pallets and pallets of supplies. And they ship these pallets to wherever they're going to go. And then they arrive and they go, we don't need this. When you find yourself in the valley, it can be tempting to try to start fixing it yourself. But the Bible says that we need to speak when we're spoken to. God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, you know. You know what Ezekiel didn't say? He said, God, let me show you what I got. Let me, I got this figured out. Ezekiel didn't pull out his power drill and some twine and start, start trying to push these bones back together. He said, can they live? And Ezekiel didn't jump right in and go, God, you want them to live. Let me make them live, Lord. How many of y'all have jumped in the middle of what God needed to be done? And instead of waiting for the Lord to give you directions or doing it in God's way, you tried to do it in your own strength. And what you found out is you didn't do anything but make a mess. Can these bones live? You know, Lord. God says, as a matter of fact, I do. Not only do I know, I, I have a plan. Watch what God says. He says, prophesy. Now, when we hear the word prophesy... Most of us have only a one-dimensional definition of that word, and that it's, it's, it's predicting or speaking the future. But when the Bible speaks prophesy, the most specific definition is simply speaking God's word. A prophet is a mouthpiece of God. And so there are times when God's prophets were called to speak prophetically about the future, but more times than not, the prophet was called to speak God's word into the present. Okay, this is why it, it can be, we don't use the word because it gets so discombobulated or, or misunderstood, but you could speak of preaching as prophecy. Now, we don't, obviously, because again, so many people go, well, Craig Thompson said I'm declared to be a prophet this morning. Now, if y'all want to start calling me that, that's kind of cool, right? I'm good. But we, we, we speak preaching, but the, 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 the definition is really pretty interchangeable. So he says prophesy. In other words, speak my words, Ezekiel. What do we know about God's words? They're powerful words, aren't they? They're strong words. 
God knows what he can do, but God uses Ezekiel as a vehicle. What if I told you that God has already given you a word? What if I told you that? What if I told you that he's given you a word to speak to others? He's given you a word to speak to yourself. Let's think first about the word that we're to speak to ourselves when we find ourselves in the valley. Do we need to really run any further than the shepherd's psalm, than Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you find yourself in the valley, you need to preach it back to yourself. I'm not alone. Is this a scary place? Is this a hard place? Is this a dangerous place? Yes, but I am not alone because he told me that in the valley of the shadow of death, he would be with me. Not only would he be with me, but his rod and his shaft comfort and protect me. God's given us a word to speak to ourselves in those places. A reminder that I will never leave you nor forsake you in those places. We need to preach God's word to ourselves. Speak God's word back. But it's not only God's word to ourselves. What about the dry bones around you? The pain, the hurt, the shame. The people without hope. Do you know that God has given you a word to speak to those people? To those situations? But so often, rather than speaking God's word into those hard places, into those dry bones, we pull out our power drill, don't we? And we start drilling holes and trying to weave it all together. We try to work it in our own way. And God says, I've got a word for you. Folks, when you find yourself in the valley, trust the Lord. But the second thing you need to do is to make make sure that you speak when you're spoken to. And if God has spoken to us, With these 66 books of his word, we need to do all that we can in those dark places to speak God's words of hope and healing. We need to be speaking the gospel into a world that is dead and dying. Because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives hope. God has spoken his word to you. Speak his word. Why? Watch what happened. Ezekiel spoke, and the Bible says down here in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. Now, now back up. You say, but Craig, he hasn't commanded me. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I think there's this great commission thing, right? As I have commanded you, right? Go Into all nations, preach the gospel, making disciples, what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's all up in there, right? And he says, as I have commanded. So he says, I spoke as I had been commanded. Folks, the only reason that you're not speaking is not because God hasn't commanded it, but because you're being disobedient. Now, I know that's not a comfortable thing, but it's a true thing. If God has given a commandment and we are not obeying that commandment, If you're aware of it and you're not obeying it, then we have to come to terms with the fact that to disobey a direct commandment is to disobey. We ask our kids to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. And a lot of us are reading God's Word and we're going, I'll get around to it someday. Begrudgingly. Anyway, so as I was commanded and behold, a a rattling. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you speak and things begin to tremor? This same word for rattle is translated variously in other places as an earthquake. 
Ezekiel spoke, and the earth began to tremble. This really shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We need to run all the way back to the book of Genesis. And it was in Genesis 1 that we are told that God did what to the Lord? He spoke the world into being. He has big, strong, powerful words. You've heard me say before, and I'll say again, this is why I would encourage parents to read children's Bibles to your kids because sometimes they capture in colorful language what our our plain adult English doesn't help us to understand. As parents, it's good for us to read and to hear them say things about big, strong, powerful words. Words that literally create everything from nothing. As followers of Jesus, we are not in opposition to science. This is why the working theory of the Big Bang actually is the most probable explanation for the creation of the world. Not only because science teaches us that right now, but because God's Word teaches us that, doesn't it? Like the picture in God's Word is that there is absolutely nothing. God speaks and then boom, there's everything. Just that fast. Ezekiel spoke and the bones began to rattle. The, the, the earth begins to shake. When Ezekiel spoke God's word, big things happened. Folks, can I tell you that when you find yourself in the valley, if you will speak God's word, big things may just happen. Big things may just happen. But I know, I know, you say, Craig, that all sounds really good. But you don't understand the valley I'm in. Craig, you're talking about that valley, but I'm, I'm in a valley two peaks over. See, get, to get to my valley, Craig, you, you got to drive off into this holler. And, and, and then you got to get out of the truck because the road doesn't lead any further. And then if you wander through the dark place, then you finally get to the bottom. And there in the bottom is, is my valley, Craig. You, you're talking about your valley. Craig, your valley is like Lake Tahoe. My valley is not. Folks, I want to urge you this morning, don't lose hope. When you find yourself in the valley, trust God's leading. Speak when God has spoken to you, and He has. But don't lose hope. When you trust God and speak God's word, hope springs alive. The bones were dry and dead, but God had a plan. And, and, and it's, this is why, because he is the God who brings, you ready, the dead to life. This is what he does. He specializes in hopeless cases. Do you feel today like your situation is beyond all hope? I want you to know that it's in that place that God can move and work and act. He specializes in hopeless cases. The bones were dry and dead, but God had a plan. So don't give up. Don't quit. God said live. But watch. It wasn't until Ezekiel trusted the Lord and Ezekiel spoke God's word that those bones came to life. God said, live. And Ezekiel spoke that word over those dry bones. And do you know, 
that it didn't all jump to life immediately. The Bible says that the earth quaked and the bones began to tremble. Let's, let's work through this together again. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them and covered. But there was no breath. Do you see that? There was this progression that in this hopeless place, as Ezekiel spoke God's word, things began to happen. But it didn't happen all right away, did it? Ezekiel had to stick with it. He had to continue to preach God's word. The bodies were reassembled, but it wasn't until Ezekiel spoke again that life came into these bodies. We don't grasp that. Because in our English language, it just says, there was no breath. Right? In the Hebrew, that word is ruach. It's the idea there of breath or wind. It's the spirit of life. These beings were standing or laying or whatever. They had grown together, but they were still dead corpses. And it wasn't until the breath of life was breathed into them that life came. You say, Craig, you want me to trust him. You want me to continue to speak his word. I've been doing it, but Craig, there's still death. Can I tell you, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't lose hope. Because it was in that place as Ezekiel looked upon that valley of dry bones and he began to preach, he began to prophesy, began to speak God's word that God worked powerfully, powerfully through his word to bring about life. You see, it's all fun and games, it seems like. But if you're wondering what it all means, you've got to keep going down to Ezekiel 37, 11, and 12. Because see, up to this point, you're like, this is all great, Craig, but what does this mean for me? Verse 11. So this is great. By the way, this is side note. If you're trying to understand God's word, just keep reading. Because a lot of times God does this awesome thing. is He gives us these pictures and then he explains them to us. And that's what he does in verse 11 and 12. He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. And we are indeed cut off. Remember, this is a vision that God has taken Ezekiel to. And Ezekiel, if he has any confusion about what's going on, God says, Ezekiel, this is what's happening. These bones that you see, Ezekiel, is, is my people. This is the nation of Israel. He says, and this is how they feel. They believe that they are hopeless. They believe they are dead. And they are. Watch, verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. God says, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you out. Where in the world does that leave us? What does that do with us? See, my fear about a passage like this is we could read it and it could become so familiar that we go, oh yeah, Valley of Dry Bones, great news, good stuff, Craig. Job, pastor, great sermon. And miss what God wants to do in your life. See, God has more for you than simply for you to have your ears tickled on a Sunday morning. There's more to a sermon than a sound bite or a video clip. 
God desires to bring dead people to life. God desires to take your hopeless situation and to fill it up with his Holy Spirit and to transform you. So where do we go? In conclusion, we're going to finish a little different this morning in just a few minutes. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing a new song, and the invitation is going to be a little different. Normally, we, we, we slow it down a lot for an invitation song, okay? But this morning, we're not going to do that. We're going to sing this song of hope and celebration. So what does this mean? Today, we're going to be reminded that we sing, or that as we sing, we serve a God who brings the dead to life. So we're going to sing, and we're going to rejoice, and we're going to celebrate. But what does that mean for you? It means this, and I want you to listen very closely, because here, I know, I've already said I'm concluding, and so some of you already closed up your Bibles and started packing up. Quit and listen. I shouldn't have told you ahead of time, because the most important part of the sermon is right now. There are no hopeless cases with him. There are no hopeless cases with him. You are not a hopeless case. Your children are not hopeless cases. Your spouse is not a hopeless case. There are no hopeless cases with him. There are only opportunities for the word of God to bring life from death. With him, there are only dry bones that can be put back together and spirit that can be breathed in. With him, there is only life from the ashes. Are you in the valley today? Do you know someone in the valley? I know you do. In our own life group this morning, we prayed for three people who are potentially right now dying of COVID. Three people that we prayed for in our life group. Folks, if you're not in the valley, you know somebody who is right now. And sometimes you know those people that have been in that valley for so long. That you just quit praying. That you just quit trying. Because the truth of the matter is you stop believing that anything could happen. You stop believing that that grave could be opened up. And that a body could rise out. You looked at the valley of destruction, you saw the dry bones, you saw the death and the defeat, and you began to believe that there was no other option. There are no hopeless cases with him. There are no hopeless cases with him. God set Ezekiel in a valley of dry bones to show him that with God all things are possible. You've been focused for too long on what you can't do or what you didn't do or what can't happen. You've been focused for so long on the burdens that you carry or on the depths into which your your family members have descended. You've been focused on what can't happen and I'm here to tell you that he can make dry bones live. Listen to me. Listen, 
God can use your words to make bones rattle in the earthquake. When you speak God's word into those valleys of death, they're no longer hopeless places. They're only places where the Spirit of God can bring about life, healing, hope, peace, security. Do you need hope today? Are you tempted to give up? One of our men likes to say that you're either in a bad place, you just came through a bad place, or you're fixing to go into one. Might not be the most optimistic way to look at life. But the reality is it's it's relatively true about two-thirds of the time, isn't it? Are you tempted to give up? If you're in the valley today, it's not over. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't quit. You're in a perfect place for God to do a miracle. As Kevin comes this morning, I I want you to listen because there, there... we, we've allowed one thing. And we're going to finish this, okay? I've got, I got to land the plane. But we, as, as evangelical Christians, have really not talked a lot in recent years about the miracles that God can bring. We've allowed prosperity preachers to steal that from us. And we've become so concerned that somebody would wrap it all up with this idea of health and wealth and prosperity preaching that we stop preaching it. But I'm here to tell you That they don't have the market cornered on hope. That their perversion of God's word should never take away from our speaking the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word is this. If you feel like, if you feel like, if you say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we're cut off. If you feel that way today. If you feel that way about your friends, your children, your parents, you feel that everything, every chance, every hope is cut off, that everything's over, listen to me. He's a God of miracles. And He can bring life from the grave. He can make dry bones live. If you're in the valley today, it's not over and it's not Don't give up and don't give out. Don't quit. You're in the perfect place for God to do a miracle. Will you allow God to do a miracle in your life today? The miracle that you may need is a miracle of salvation. If you're here today and your bones are dead and weary, can I tell you that God will save you today? Today! If you're here today and it's those children that you're brokenhearted for and they're in the valley and you don't know what to do, would you pray for them today? that friend that you work with, it's that sick family member, would you pray today? You're in the perfect place for God to do a miracle. He's in the miracle business. And folks, if you're in the valley, you can trust him. He's given you words to speak. There's hope.
Would you cling to him today? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, we're going to sing in just a minute. When we stand to sing, would you come forward? I'd love to pray with you. Some of you need to just lift your hands and praise the Lord. And say, Lord God, today you delivered me from my sin. And today I praise you, God, because I was once lost, but now I'm found. God, there was a time when I was those dry bones. But Lord God, you gave me hope and breath and life. Some of you just need to sing out and praise him. Some of you may want to come this morning and pray for the dry bones in your life that need to be brought back. For the valley that you're walking through or the valley that you see others in, you need to pray that God would not only be with them but bring them out. Let's worship the Lord together and let's allow God to do work in our life. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I praise you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord God, help us to not lose hope. Father, we don't even grieve as those without hope because we serve the God not of the dead but of the living who brings the dead to life. Move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we sing.